Welcome to Upthinking Finance, a podcast that offers a unique and discerning view of economics and financial planning. Here is your host, Emerson Fersh. Welcome back to another edition of Upthinking Finance. I'm Emerson Fersh. French poet and journalist Anatole France once wrote, Until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Now, this episode is for anybody that loves animals, and particularly dogs. And I should start by saying we have a little plaque in our living room that's got an anonymous quote that says, Saving one dog will not change the world, but surely for that one dog, the world will change forever. Darcy and I have been blessed to have five cats and seven dogs in our home over the years we've been married. And all but one, I guess, would be considered an official rescue, which was our English bulldog, Banachek. He was the first dog that came home with us, although he was in a pretty seedy pet store, so you could say he was rescued from that environment. But all of our cats and dogs over the years, other than Banachek, have been come from rescue facilities, from foster care setups. And today's guest is going to explain to us what really goes on in this world of husky rescues, particularly the people that are involved in the dedication and love for these animals that really exists in kind of a lesser known aspect of, I guess, what you could categorize as a charitable or philanthropic work that goes on in the world. Our guest today, his name is Tim McVicker. He also goes by the name Master Wolf, and he's the president of Shadow Husky Rescue, which is located in Menifee, California. And the rescue is actually named the number one husky rescue in California by We Love Doodle's website just a couple of months ago. Tim says he found his animal soulmate when he rescued his first husky named Shadow in 2006, but says that ever since he was a little boy that he was passionate about rescuing animals. He says he would feed the stray dogs while he was at school. He'd give them their lunch and then they'd follow him home and he'd have to hide him in the closet and pray that his dad didn't find him there. The mission at Shadow Husky Rescue is pretty straightforward. It's to rescue huskies that are displaced, unwanted, abused, lost, abandoned, or scheduled for euthanasia and provide them with a second chance at life by finding them permanent homes. And I can tell you, we've been blessed by Shadow Husky Rescue to bring home two beautiful dogs. The first was uh, Hachi, who was a large Siberian husky. He only was with us a month. He had had a hard life and ended up dying of a brain tumor not long after we brought him home. But I can tell you his last days with us were great. And then Storm, who's been with us now for about four years, and he's just a beautiful kind, gentle soul of a dog. And so grateful today to share this podcast with you. Okay. So it's my pleasure today to welcome Tim McVicker and Liz, his wife, who is our bonus guest today, coming to us from Shadow Husky Rescue in Menifee. Welcome to Thinking Finance. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. This is my wife, Liz, and I'm Master Wolf, what they call me. <laughs> Master Wolf McVicker. Yeah, that's Master. a pretty cool name. They could use that for the next episode of Top Gun. I mean, Master Wolf would be a cool, a cool right? That's right. So. Definitely a fan. Yeah. So I guess the first thing I'd say is why, I mean, out of all the different dog breeds, what lured you to love Huskies and start the rescue? I really didn't know much about Huskies at first. I thought to myself, it'd be nice to have a Husky. I saw some Husky movies and I'm thinking, they're really cool animals. So I ended up, went through a bad divorce and I went into the Orange County shelter. And I found Shadow. I couldn't believe it. They said he had one day left. They're going to kill this beautiful dog. He's gorgeous. He's about 10 years old. He was older. So the chances of Huskies actually surviving shelters at that age is pretty bad. So I ended up pulling him after my divorce because my ex-wife wouldn't let me just have little dogs and not big dogs. So when I left her, 
I went out and I got shadowed probably about a month right after my divorce. He really was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I put him through therapy school. I ended up making him a therapy dog. And he did really, really well with love people. And it kind of got me out there too. I really needed something at that point because it was a bad divorce. I went up in the mountains with them up in Ortega, up in the Ortegas. And I, I had my, my trailer. I bought a fifth wheel. I went up there and lived with Shadow for about seven years. And it's hard to talk about it, but he really, really helped me through everything. And I took him to a lot of places and resting homes and convalescent centers and, and things. And it really helped me get heal up too through the divorce. He did so good. And that's just that's how I rescued up the name. But while I'm out with my husky, I go to dog parks all the time, talking to people and meeting people with their huskies. And I ended up running into Liz at the Irvine Dog Park. And that's where we started. We met there and she had three huskies at the time. Oh my gosh. And I had, actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had Shadow. And so we ended up, yeah, I got Harley too. I got another one down the road. So I ended up having two huskies. I had Harley and Shadow. We hit it off. Really thought she was cute. And our huskies, the huskies kind of join in in the dog parks together because they're like magnets. When another husky sees one husky, they're all their pack. They're just you know, like pack so, dogs, yeah. yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> our family grew from there. Yeah, our family definitely grew from there. <laughs> but it was amazing to meet somebody that was into dogs like I was, huskies. So that was really important to me. So here's a question, because for people that don't own huskies, because we've had bull breeds, which they have their own personalities and they're pretty cool. I, there's aspects of the bulldog that I miss. Can you explain to somebody what it is about the husky breed that just is such a draw? They're human oriented for one thing. They love humans and they're working dogs. They want to form for you. They want you to love them. And the more you love them, the more they love you. And it's just kind of contagious at that point. And you really get a bond with these dogs. It's different than any other breed that I've ever been with. And the huskies yeah. just are amazing. So that's the big part of owning a husky is experiencing that. And they just really get into your soul deep. And it's just amazing. Yeah, amen. unconditional love. Yeah, unconditional love, big time. Yeah, well, we only have the two now, but we plan our lives around everything. I mean, we don't kennel them. We're traveling, and one of us would stay back, take care of the dogs or family members, and one of the us and our son would go out and travel. So it is definitely a lifestyle for sure. So how do you start a rescue? I mean, I'd be curious to just get an idea how you really begin to get your name out. How does that work? Liz and I, <laughs> we were renting in Lake Elsinore, and we had what we have. Yeah, we grew to. We grew to eight 18. dogs. Yeah, we grew to 18 after that, but we started with eight. <laughs> and people, we'd take them to dog parks, right? We'd take them down Laguna, Laguna Niguel area, and we'd take them to Irvine. Dog park, Irvine Dog Park. And people would love to see us. And legally, you have to, it's three dogs per person. So you have to bring in their friends to help you. So we have chaperones. chaperones. We'd have people help us, and they love when they saw our, our huskies coming in and help us. It got to be really amazing. Yeah, and then they kind of grew from word to mouth. So people yeah. knew when we were at the dog park, they would get our name and contact us. And people would approach us at the dog parks. Can you take this dog? Can you take that dog? What about Elsa? Yeah, Elsa. Oh, boy. Elsa, they found in a trash in a trash bin. It was Paramount at a Home Depot. And she was shaved. She was probably less than a year old. She had just given birth. And she had just given birth. And they called us because she was a little bit too big for the little dog rescue. And so they we ended up taking, that was almost one of our first rescues there. But we took her in. And Elsa's one of the most beautiful dogs we have. She's just unbelievable. We got pictures of her. I think the story's on our website, yeah. too. We also went to the dog park locally in Lake Elsinore at McVickers Park, where we still go once a month now for our husky takeovers. Yeah. No relation. McVickers <laughs> Park is wonderful. But some of the people would look at us and awe 
and say, why do you have so many Huskies? What are you doing in this part? So we didn't really have our, all of our friends were in Orange County at the time. So we had very less escorts and chaperones here. So eventually we said, well, why don't we just become a rescue and made it legitimate. I got a big emblem on the back of my F-250, a Shadow Husky Rescue, and that's our emblem we have out today. And that just quieted everybody down. Oh, you're a rescue. Okay. We also yeah. were at, reached our limit on how many dogs we could take into our household. So <laughs> we decided we would start adopting them out and getting fosters. So I guess here's the thing, because I know Storm, as I recall, he had about three hours. Riverside Shelter. Riverside Shelter. Can you walk people through, and I barely got through the intro without losing it, okay? so. <laughs> I get it. But can you walk people through kind of the typical from beginning to end, the rescue and just kind of how this whole process works? Because I think it's really interesting. And it's sort of one of those stories that just seems to have a beautifully happy ending. If you could share kind of one of those experiences, that'd be great. Yeah, I know that the shelters reach out to us all the time and say, this dog's red listed, it's, it's going to get killed tomorrow or the next day or so. On. And we get on, the, we get the dog and we post it, Facebook, trying to find foster for it because we can't really do much unless we have foster. It's so important. And explain that. So who are these foster people and how do you connect with them? What is their role? They see our posts and they know what we do. And I send them a dog a foster application. So I get videos of their yard or I go check their yard. Their fencing is really important. Yeah. This is people that want to save dogs. They help us. We get them in the foster home, then we can adopt them out. But I'm telling you, about 95% of our adopters adopt. So it's like, once you get a husky, you don't really realize how much they're really going to... Foster know. fails. Yeah, we call them foster failures, and it's so true. <laughs> but yeah, the shelters, they reach out, and they get us to pull these... They want us to pull these dogs. We pull them, and they're last-minute dogs. Every one we pull is ones that aren't going to make it, and that's so important to get them out. And they're all great dogs. If they got a little aggression or something, it's usually because huskies don't like to be caged up. The yeah. problem is there is, yeah. is they'll bite the handler trying to get out of the cage. And so they get a bad rap from that point on. I go in these rescues. I'm not even worried. In the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, what if? But it never had. Every time I rescue these aggressive dogs, they're great. I pull them out. Some of them make me put them in a cage, put them in the back of my F-250. I open the door when I'm out of the parking lot. And they go through my cargo window and jump in my front seat. <laughs> and I'm known for Freedom Burger. I give them Freedom Meals. So it's really amazing when they get their Freedom Meal. And I post all that on Facebook so you can see all my posts and what I do when I go into rescue. And I love them up and kind of experience the way they are and what to look out for. And I kind of tell the foster, be careful, don't do this, don't put your hands in the face until they decompress. The decompression stage usually takes about eight weeks before they're really decompressed. But give them about three days, a lot of love and, and kind of let them come up to you and be real careful. These are more dogs that are more scared. Yeah. But they all pull yeah. out of it. All of them pull out of it. It's amazing to watch them. And we get updates and we're always posting them to show people that these dogs are not vicious. Yeah. And number one with the husky is the foster has to accept the husky and be patient with all their behavioral issues. Yeah. Once you accept the husky, then the husky will open up and accept you. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, really important for the foster. So how many, if I can ask, I mean, how many of these kind of relationships do you have in your area? I mean, is this literally just in, I guess, the Riverside area or is this, you guys have contacts all over the state? Oh, no, no. We got fosters up in Northern California, Arizona, everywhere. And a lot of times some of these dogs are in other shelters in other states and people offer to pull them. We also sometimes have owners that need to relinquish their dog. Oh, man, I've been swamped with owner surrenders lately. Shelters are full, so they're denying these people to relinquish their huskies. And so sad because a lot of them have been just dumped in the back alley. 
And so you're seeing huskies running around and it, it's really sad. So the surrenders, I've really been concentrating more on them right now. But we do get the red listed ones coming in. This last, what we, I think we say four, right? Yeah. Four red lists out of Inland Valley. Sometimes our own dogs need to be home too. We could discuss that other dog in Missouri, Pepsi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Pepsi was adopted out in Missouri. We found somebody that lived, what? I mean, <laughs> five, miles. five miles away from that person. Mm. So we were able to rehome Pepsi. And our network of contacts. Yeah. And our network of contacts yeah. with people on Facebook. And so that dog, Pepsi, got into another home. He's doing great. So that was kind of a stroke of luck. It does happen. You have a dog in need. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I can see you got a baby sleeping behind you over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's one of our newbies this week. <laughs> yeah, actually, two of them. There's one on the bed behind you, too. Oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, they're all over. We got pillows all over the house. We live with our huskies. We have a place in Montana that we just bought that's got a huge backyard. And of course, the snow and the weather there. And I can just see once we get there full time that two won't be. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Okay, whoever is listening to the podcast, you're going to need to go to the YouTube channel because you're getting a live introduction. Now, who's this baby? This is Rosie. She was just rescued this week. She was Gosh. going to get killed in Inland Valley. Oh she was God. in there from, I think it was March 15th. So, so pretty good. <laughs> so we took on another one out of there. I videoed another one in there, which is our little girl that was laying here, where she go, okay, this is Jenny. 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 Oh, my Jenny. gosh. Stop thinking finance on YouTube, folks. You want to see these dogs. They're just gorgeous. Jenny was going to be put down, too. And she is such a joy. She runs around with... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, they said she was five. She's probably not even one. Oh. We got her groomed. And she, look, look how white and gorgeous Beautiful. she is. Beautiful. She loves Rosie. They run all over our property. They're everywhere. And it's just... Rosie needs somebody more her age because we got all seniors here. You know? Yeah. We got a sanctuary. So it was kind of nice. It's like a spark to our pack. We brought these two in. We've lost four in this past year. Hey, well, let me ask you a question. You mentioned this earlier, but this is actually a point because we have an American Bulldog that was rescued, Truman. He was just an awesome dog, but he had anxiety. Just was something that he never really overcame, but... It's interesting because I've noticed, yeah, as you said it, the Huskies that we've brought in, we've had three now, seem to, like you said, once they get the routine, they know that they're in a safe environment, they seem to get past a lot of that trauma pretty well. Oh, Is yeah. that a fair statement? They all do. So you're right. After eight weeks, this dog is gorgeous and it's behaving and it's doing this and that and they're really close. And we get that all the time. It's just the more you put into them, the more you'll get out, the more they'll yeah. give you tenfold when you have a lot of attention. <laughs> Love about it, baby. Yeah, this little girl on my Facebook, you'll see the post on her clawing at the cage when I was in there and I videotaped her. I didn't know if we were going to be able to pull her or not. We did find a foster, but it didn't really work out very good. So, so here's a question then you have these foster homes. How long, assuming, like you said, the foster family doesn't keep the dog, how long do they normally stay before they get placed? Is there any kind of a general or is it just all over the place? It is. It's all over. Just saying with the surrenders, you never know. I'll post them and all of a sudden I give them a place the next day. But some other times it's a month or two. Then there's some that we never get placed. So it all varies. It really yeah. does. It, you never know. But like I say, most of the fosters adopt them. So you know, foster failures, and that's usually what we're kind of counting on. Yeah. Because we know the personality of these guys and they're going to fall in love. It's going to get deep in their heart and their soul. And 
Yeah, in fact, the family, you probably remember, I don't, because Darcy, we were actually in Greenland when Storm came to our home, but I remember they didn't want to let him go. I mean, that was a real, that was hard for them to let us take him. They were clearly attached. Yeah. So let me ask you this. I'm hoping and assuming you get some kind of outside support, donations of some kind, or do you? And if you do, how does that help? I mean, there's got to be a lot of costs that most of us don't realize. I mean, I imagine feeding 18 dogs gets pretty expensive. <laughs> yeah. I'll let Liz, she's good with that. We're definitely very grassroots. We were founded in October 2015, so we're going to be eight this year. Wow. And we do have quite a few recurring donors, but we are always doing campaigns, fundraisers. And for example, we're going to do one in San Clemente on April 22nd. We're doing a bed, uh, doing a dog bed drive and at a garage sale. One of our supporters is having a huge garage sale at our home. So maybe you could come join us. <laughs> Love to see you. And we did a Seize Candies fundraiser. We've done calendars. We've had our calendar for the last four years. That's always one of our largest fundraiser. But we've got property in County San Diego that's we're hoping to develop and build a, um, a rescue where we can hold dogs that are adoptable board. Right. It's good to go. We put a lot of money into the privacy fencing and I got a well we put in there that's gorgeous. It's just unbelievable. Well, we hit the aquifer over there and I couldn't, I can't believe the water. But now we need the money to put the home on there and get it set up, but we'd like to have it as kind of a hub. We do have our home, which is, we have our sanctuary dogs. So a lot of our Dogs here are unadoptable. We have blind, epileptic dogs that have had behavioral problems or who have had incidents at owners' homes. So they all come to our house and live the rest of their lives. And we deal with each one individually and take care of them. They get older. Like Harry, we took in. His ears were all messed up. She had calcium down in there. We had to have ear canal surgery and remove his ear canals. He was biting because he was in pain all the time. The owners gave him up. He got out somehow. We brought him here and... And he has the best life here. I made a hairy ramp out here for him because he's, he's older and it's hard to get up our stairs. So I made a concrete uh-huh. ramp down. <laughs> so, so do you guys have like arrangements with vets? I mean, again, these are all these costs. I guess you, I imagine that you've got to get expensive. Do you get have like connections or networks where they provide services for you or help support you in any way? Well, because we are a 501c3 charity-based Get a discount at vets. However, we, like other rescues in California, are currently suffering tremendously as a result because every single dog that needs a surgery, you can estimate a minimum $2,500, depending on the type of surgery, if it's a broken bone or if it's a fracture or some other type of surgery, up to $10,000 or $12,000. We had one dog last year that cost us over $20,000. And she was an epileptic dog. She had to have different procedures, including an MRI. But we always have problems with that. And I wish that we could find a vet that had reduced costs, but it's just not so, especially in California. California is extremely expensive. They give us 10 to 20% off rescue discount. So really, people that can donate cash that you have, like you said, recurring people and others, that there's just so many different food and medical care and all these things. I mean, it's just a lot. It sounds like you're not afraid of making sure the dog gets the care. $20,000. We had a bulldog, our first dog. We call him the $6 million dog because within the first week, we had to take him to emergency twice 
down in Fountain Valley. One was a breathing problem. The next time he was coughing up blood. And it just went on from there. We probably spent $40,000, $50,000 on that dog between all the skin problems and the knee replacements. But I remember the first night we had him. And I remember the second time after the emergency, I was, we were lying in bed. I'm asking Darcy, so how far are we going to go with this? That was where my brain was at the time. And she goes, how much do we have in the account? So I pretty much knew it's like, okay, but that was it. They're family, right? You don't cut corners. I mean, you do what you got to do. No. And we have dogs. Cancer is one especially very hard ailment. We've had melanoma recently. A dog passed away. It spreads fast. Hmm. It was was Lobo. I loved Lobo. I rescued him. He didn't work out in the home. Their dog. So we ended up taking Lobo and he was older. Went into his tonsil and got his lymph nodes took that out and it, it went down into his leg he couldn't walk poor guy that was in his lung it traveled so fast within two months yeah, and we had three surgeries within that month to remove oh, the lumps just, that kept growing wow. and radiation he had I took him a radiation. radiation yeah down at carlsbad vca probably what five four or five visits there so yeah it's really sad you get close to these guys but the best life here lobos followed me everywhere one of the things that we do is put everything on Facebook and social media. Mostly Facebook we rely upon, and we're very transparent. We tell the stories of the dogs. We provide updates. Yeah. When a dog gets adopted, we'll mention the adoption. We do all sorts of, of announcements, and people appreciate that, I think. They want to know what's going on, especially those who've been with us for so many years like you have. No, you guys are great. So here's a question, and I'm just, again, trying to give people some context here. So you get a call at any hour of the day saying, I've got this some from some of the one of these kill shelters. They have this dog. It's got an hour or two. What's the next thing? What's your next move after you get a call like that? Um, my, my first question is, do we have a foster? Because we can't just bring them here. Yeah. We need a foster. And I always ask, them, we get everybody bombing us 24-7 on death row dogs all over the country. But it's, do we have a foster? But they don't come up with a foster. They just want to put the dog in our lap and we, we can't do it. We don't have a facility. If we ended up getting a big donation, we could put it out to Warner Springs where we're at. But I can give you an example that's more pertinent. For example, last week, uh, Tim did get a call from the shelter regarding two puppies. And Tim was the first rescue that was contacted. And we're, by the way, the number one rescue rescue in California right now. We'll send you the link. <laughs> so Tim got the call on these two puppies and the shelter did not want the puppies to get adopted by uh, the general public because they're not, we don't know who they are. So we have an ability to actually inspect and do interviews and, and home checks and whatnot to get a proper candidate. And Tim, sure enough, I think within a matter of an hour and a half, <laughs> found someone that was interested in adopting both puppies, two brothers. We just got updates. They're so cute. They're, yeah. they're holding paws together. They're so yeah. bonded. He <laughs> picked them up the next morning, which was Saturday of this last week, and took them straight to their house. And, yeah. and they adopted them on the spot, which is unusual because that's against our policy of yeah. one week foster to adopt. Yeah, uh, that's another program that I developed that I wanted. I really wanted it to be a good fit for, for human and, and beast. You know, we want everybody to be happy. So I give everybody a week. It's non refundable donation. But we only charge two fifty. We're we're under all the other rescues and we get criticized. Yeah. We don't charge. But the main thing is to get these dogs in good homes. So two fifty is really nothing. Yeah. I don't think. And no. And another example we had, I think it was November of last year, we got contacted from the VCA veterinary hospital because we have a very good relationship with all the specialty vets. We rely more on the specialty vets than we rely on the general vets. And surprisingly, their rates are comparable <laughs> to the regular vets. So we like to go to specialists internists, colleges, um, surgeons, and get consultations, as well as getting the proper testing CT scans from the proper facilities that specialize in them. 
uh, we know that the equipment is modernized. Okay, but we got the phone call from the BCA Marietta. There was a dog that had been with them on palliative care. The San Jacinto shelter delivered the dog and it had been hit by a car. Its pelvis was completely broken. It was actually run over by a car. It was old. Broken up. So we were notified, unfortunately, I think on day eight or nine, uh, right after shelter had picked up the dog to take to the shelter for euthanasia. And so we were able to intercept that transport and Tim picked up the dog and brought him to a different BCA that had the appropriate surgeon on board, Carlsbad, and his name was Shadow. So we figured Shadow, how could we not take Shadow <laughs> after that name? And he had four different surgeries to fix his pelvis. And now he is going through physical therapy in Long Beach near you. And he is having laser treatments. He's doing underwater treadmill now. He's had acupuncture. And so we're continuing to oversee his care. He's in a foster still, but he will soon be available for adoption. We're not sure. <laughs> we have someone very special who may want to adopt him, but we don't know <laughs> yeah. if she's going to do it. Yeah, she's a very That's special person. Yeah. <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. I read this somewhere about during the COVID that there was more adoptions of dogs. Did you see that trend? People were home more. Yeah. Is that something that yeah. impacted? Okay. Yeah, that's why the surrenders, I think. Now they're all running loose. Now they're going back to work. You realize Hussies can't be left alone. No. Intelligence on these guys. You don't leave them alone. Especially after you pull them or they get into the home, they got to be with you. If you leave them alone, you're going to have problems. They're going to try to get out and find you. That's why they're labeled escape artists. Yeah, we're yeah. getting calls all the time yeah. that shelters are not accepting owner surrenders. Yeah, they aren't even accepting them. These poor people are sitting there with these dogs and what do they do? I get calls. My phone, I got to keep the ringer off because it rings all day long. People giving up their dogs all over. I, I got to be really honest. Die. I've got a bit of an opinion on that because, I mean, to me, you go out and get a Husky. I mean, you really, yeah, they're beautiful dogs, but I mean, it's a commitment as, I mean, you guys are living it. But our dogs, I mean, every morning we're up 5, 530 walking them. Then we have an afternoon walk. Tulak, our new Malamute, he likes to go. I found out he likes jazz. He's impartial to John Coltrane. So <laughs> I, he sits in the front seat, right? Like, I mean, his arm up on the, you know, his paw up on the console. And we go and listen to jazz. It just kind of, he likes to be out with me. He likes, calms him down. But yeah, these aren't dogs you just leave all day at home and then come back from work and expect them to, I mean, it's a different breed for sure. Yeah, they're so, working dogs. Yeah, yeah. No, people laugh at our There neighbors. are a few exceptions. They yeah. want routine. Yeah. They like their routines. Mine will look at me. There are certain days, times of the day I'm out with them. I don't know. We got seven acres here, so I take them out. We call it a baseball field, and we go play. And they're looking at me, Dad, we're ready to go. And they want me out there with them. They can go out there anytime. You'll appreciate <laughs> this, a storm. Because actually, I don't know if you knew, Liz, we're actually in southern Utah now. I still have an <laughs> office in Long Beach. But yeah, we've been here for two years, and we've been getting a ton of snow. So as you can imagine, I mean, those like storm, he won't come in. I'll look at him. He'll be outside. I'll look <laughs> up covered in snow. And I mean, they're just yeah. as happy as can be. But it's funny because now they know treat time. But not only do they know when treat time is, they know how many treats. So <laughs> you give them one, they'll go away. And they're pretty oh, soon he's looking in the back mirror like, where's the other one? <laughs> I mean, just, it's so funny. It's true. So here's one. It's always good to kind of, as we wind down, we had our success story with you guys for sure. And I think that's just three. I mean, it, like you said in the beginning, Tim, it's hard to believe. I know Darcy's book. Anybody, again, who's listening to this, you have to watch the YouTube. That's the wife wrote, Moonshadows, Memories of Hachi, who was a dog we got. And he had a good month with us for sure. He was a good boy. And Stormy. He was a great dog. 
Yeah, he was. He enjoyed his time with us. He chased lizards and always used to like to stick his head in the bushes. And for that one month, he was just awesome. And Moon, she was a little smitten with him, which was kind of funny. She's been around boy dogs, but she was smitten with him. It was kind of cute. But Storm, I mean, I just think about it sometimes. What a great companion and friend he's been to us. He's just an awesome, gentle, gentle soul, real kind dog. And to think that he was three hours away from, I mean, it's just, it's hard. You don't even want to go there. And I know that's kind of the life you guys see that. So how about sharing maybe one or two just really great, like when you think success story, I know you've got these on your website. But what's a couple that just really come to mind that just kind of hit the mark that maybe reminds or validates the decision you guys have made to do this? I think it's the day-to-day success story where hooking up dogs and connecting them with owners and every day there's something new. We had the epileptic dog last year. She was a phenomenal save. We had put her through all the treatments. She had a wonderful foster who took care of all of her needs, Maya. And then she was adopted in Los Angeles by a prior owner who had one of our dogs who was an older dog. So he especially wanted Maya because she was an older dog and she had a medical problem. I think the medical dogs are the toughest to place, but we never give up hope on them. We always are fighting for them and, and always find a proper home. She was a success story. People don't want to adopt dogs that aren't perfect. But as a rescue, we're different from kennels in that respect. We don't care what AKC is. We don't care if they're a mixed breed. We have a boxer husky right now, Jindo husky. We've had Malamute, obviously many Malamutes huskies. It's not just the breed. It's We deal with mixed breeds. I think the success story is having families open their hearts to them, willing to provide care, just like you said, for the rest of their lives. And the best part for me is when I get those pictures and videos out of it, but everybody's just, they're loading them up and I do these updates. I live for updates. I love when people send me that stuff. That's what made us number one in California, just being transparent. I don't see this with other rescues. I really don't. I wish everybody would do that with every dog that they place. Give updates. Let's see pictures. And that's the heartwarming. People love that. And I love that. I look forward. I go, please send me your story, how it changed your life, because these huskies change lives. I keep telling people that. And I could just say that it's been a real struggle for us on a personal level and through the rescue to be where we are right now. We established our sanctuary in 2015 at the same time we created the rescue and we were able to obtain a kennel license. So just getting a kennel license, it's really tough. I think that's a huge success story. We're very proud of that. We're happy that we could provide our home to the sanctuary dogs. We are very happy with the rescue network of people, contacts that we have. We're hoping to broaden that. We want volunteers. We want to raise awareness for dogs in general. We hope that everyone, every family has a husky (laughs) or opens their home to at least four dogs. I think that would make a perfect family because you can never have just one husky. No, 100%. You can't. You're right. So you might remember... I think it was probably a couple years ago. I'm trying to remember now. Maybe it was longer, but you remember that dog Loki? Is that the name Loki? There was a dog you guys yeah. had. And I got to tell you, I mean, I got a little taste of your world because we sent off an email to all my clients. And I've, a couple <laughs> of them you guys met. They met the dog. It wasn't a fit, but I had probably four or five people reach out asking, hey, that we're interested in. And you ended up finding a family with a couple of kids. But that is inspiring to see people to step up and really 
see the value of these dogs anyway. And we're here for support. We'll provide food, beds, comfort, yeah. anything that they need, we will provide. We have a whole shed we built here with food and like and whatever you want. We get it donated and it goes into the into the shed, our food shed. So it's great. So if people are trying to get a hold of you guys and find out more about your rescue and available dogs, what's the best place for them to go? ShadowHuskyRescue.com is our website. We also are on Facebook, Shadow Husky Rescue. Tim McVicker, he does a lot on his personal Facebook. We have Instagram. That's cool. I dig that name. I'm sorry I didn't think of it first. (laughs) I love wolves anyway. I'd like to have a wolf sanctuary one day. I know that's way down the road. Our, our administrative office is in Menifee, California. Our phone number is 949-290-3217. And that goes directly to Tim's cell phone. Awesome. Well, I always text. I can't. If you want to call me, text me. Don't try calling me. Yeah, that's what Darcy said. You got right back to me. <laughs> and I got I got so many people on dogs I gotta keep track of. So texting, I go right to my text, I put your name in there, the dog name. Yeah. Boom. You know, I got all the information that we talked about. So that's really important. You text me. Well, you guys, I hope you know. Well, I think you do know, but clearly you're impacting people's lives in a way that is not just a quick like one day emotional boost, but it's really a lifetime change. I mean, we took, I was sharing with you before we started this, yesterday was Tulak's first day at the groomer and Storm had to be the one to sort of lead in like Moonshadow did for him. And it's been funny to, and just really cool to watch him transition his role in the pack. He's the leader now. And just the whole ordeal of them getting groomed and their coach, you know, taken out. And, and Storm's so funny because he's just in the back of my truck. He was just passed out because it's about a 45-minute drive back. And Julak's <laughs> just like, what the hell just happened? And Storm has just crashed. He's like, okay, oh. I remember this. It's been a while. <laughs> I was telling Darcy, though, home, you know, what would our lives be like without these two? You know, I mean, it just, yeah. you don't even want to think about it. House without a dog. I don't know. It's like that quote on your website. I, started off the episode it's like there's a part of your soul that's not awakened i think that's really a good way to put it so yeah anyway i just want to thank you both for taking the time to join me today i know you're busy and i appreciate you sharing your dogs and your life and i'm glad that we have a chance to share your story with people because i think people be drawn to what you're doing and particularly these awesome animals because they're just great so thanks both master wolf liz thanks for joining me on upthinking finance <laughs> thank thanks for having us appreciate it Emerson Fersh is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisor services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from Capital Investment Advisors. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and the companies they represent are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Capital Investment Advisors. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal expert. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required 
to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.